on books that we can't even like. I know. We're just we need to just do this podcast so that we can move on with our lives. Honestly, I swear we always say that. Like, let's just get this one over with, then we'll be good. Do you think this is close enough? Yeah. Yeah. This is probably the least we've ever prepared. Maybe yeah. it'll end up being the best episode. And I did finish it about a month before you. <laughs> yeah, and I finished it about a month ago, so... <laughs> okay. So, Lanny. <laughs> I we, chose this we one. We need to introduce oh, the hello. <laughs> hello. 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 I'm Emily. <laughs> I'm Jess. Welcome to Final It. It's our first episode in person together for a long time, which I'm very happy about. So happy. We haven't hugged yet though. I know. We'll do it afterwards. Yeah, definitely. We didn't do it earlier. Oh, I hugged Steph at the end Did of... Did you? Oh, that's nice. Yeah, good. and then I hugged Alex because <laughs> how bad <laughs> leaving him out. I'm not sure which is better, the fact that we're together in the same room or the fact that this is going to be so much easier to <laughs> yeah, edit. Or you do all of the editing, so <laughs> probably the latter. Um, oh, I feel like I'm drinking wine. You might get like placebo drunk. Oh. Yum. Um, okay, so I chose the novel for this episode. It's called Lanny by an author called Max Porter, an English guy. Um, my cousin Barnaby got me this for Christmas, so I thought I'd choose it because I wanted to give it a read. And that's pretty much why I chose it. Um, and hadn't you read one of his oh other yeah, books? Oh yeah, and then his other book read, is, a, is The Thing With Feathers, or A Thing With Feathers, I can't quite remember that, which is like a really short kind of novella, and I did enjoy that. I thought that was good. And this really reminds me of that, because that Griefless Thing With Feathers is all about like language, and there's sort of like a character who just spouts random words and does a lot of wordplay, and there's something like that in here, isn't there, as well? He obviously has his shtick. Yeah, I don't remember much about that. Grief is a thing with... Well, you didn't read it. No, no, I, I did read oh, it. Oh, did you? Yeah, but a while ago. There's just a crow. It's, it's based on his own experience, yeah, isn't it, of losing his wife? Yeah. And it, I just remember it was kind of a poem, like a long... Like, kind of, yeah, kind of, yeah. With different voices, different opinions. So Lanny, Lanny is the child. His name is Lanny. And it's... Him and his mum and dad, and they move out of London to sort of a, a village, it doesn't say where, in England. And then Lanny is a very strange, unique child, and then he goes missing. And it's kind of basically about what, what happens after he goes missing. Really. Yeah, um, that's a good summary. What do I normally do at the beginning? Do I just say to you, did you like it? Yeah, we do like our general impressions. Oh, yeah. Okay, general general impression then. I liked it. <laughs> really? Yeah. I was expecting you to hate it. Really? Why? Yeah. I don't know, actually. Um, I don't think I liked it that much. Oh, I'm really surprised. I thought you'd <laughs> like it. I say that, I did... I, I wanted to read it. It wasn't like a terrible. I, I mean, I hardly ever read books that I don't enjoy. But you know, when you've picked up like the worst book and you just can't even like bring yourself to read the pages, it's just so crap. Like, yeah. I, this, I was like reading it all the time and like wanted to finish it. So I don't really know why I'm saying that. I think I just found it a little bit too like obvious what he was doing. 
and it was like okay we get it but no there was I mean there was stuff about it that irritated me in the sense that the I'm not sure what the right word is the way it's written and some of the like devices used and like in the book occasionally actually quite a lot there'll be this thing where it's written in like squiggly font all over the page and it's just little kind of almost like when you walk past someone in the street and you hear a little snippet of their conversation and it will be just like that like I've just opened it a random place and it'll say like I was a school teacher so I know all about bumped heads there are boyish saplings girly saplings and foot high baby brackens what's up dapper two chins uprooting a load of bluebells for two days of prettiness and the letters are all kind of squiggling all over the page and I kind of I found that quite tiring to read but that's what annoyed me about it because I can just imagine all these reviewers and people being like oh it's so clever (laughs) oh it's all different voices oh it's a working class voice oh it's a middle class voice oh people you know people we have lofty thoughts and then we have gutter thoughts you know yeah yeah like one second someone's talking about dog shit the next it's about poetry and it's just like oh yeah we get it human nature like it was just it just really annoyed me i love so i liked it as a device but i think it was just overused yeah i think that's the thing because it was kind of not very enjoyable to read it because it was obviously so disjointed and stuff and i got the point it gets its point across, but then I feel it just happened too often in the book. With it. Yeah, and every time it came up, I was like, oh. Yeah, I want to skip that back to the <gasps> yeah. story. Yeah, because the those bits are almost like the voice of this m- sort of mythical pagan character, right? The yeah. dead Papa Toothwarts or something, um, who's supposed to be like the village's green man, like character who there's all these legends around it. Um, and he, it's like he's been there since the beginning of time and he's seen everything change throughout all the centuries and he, it's like he feeds off of people's sort of language and emotions and stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's like all the things that he's hearing because he can just travel everywhere and hear everything. I read somewhere that he, that the author wanted all of those bits to be in footnotes can't oh, remember where I saw that. No. I and would then, have hated that even more. And then, and then I his, hate and, footnotes. Well, and then they, like, whoever the editor or something wanted him to change it. I think that would have been better. And it reminds me of um, Nicholson Baker, you know, the, the other, um, remember we chose one of his books, The Mezzanine, because he's one of my favourite writers. No, but <laughs> you remember, like I don't like footnotes. <laughs> I don't like them, because I never know whether to finish the page and then read them, or whether to yeah. stop reading the sentence and read the footnote. Also, it's normally too small and, like, why would you I, have preferred it like that? Because it just because it's just stop. It's not silly. That's the thing. You can tell that that whole oh we'll make it all over the page wasn't the author's idea. It was like the people who wanted it to have a certain style and like fashion mm. of like oh we're playing around and this is. I just don't know how you would get the sense in a footnote that it was like. Well, I guess you would get the sense that it was lots of different voices. They could have just put it on the page normally, like, not all squiggling around, like... Because on some of them as well, as the book progresses, they start to overlap with each other. Yeah. And so you can't even read some. And I guess the whole point of that is it's meant to be, like, people talking over each other or... What's that word to describe, like, the realism of language? Oh, we talked about it in uni. Oh, there's... Oh, everything that annoy me. But 
there's like a specific word, not hyper something. That would be deep, deep in my brain. Can't remember, but that sort of meant that that conveys like realistic voice or something. It's like he's he's trying to do. Do you know the word? Yeah, I do actually, but I don't think I learned it at uni. I think I did it in English Lit and Language A level. Oh right, yeah, it's on the tip of my tongue, but. It's like that because obviously people are always talking at the same time and I wanted Oh yeah, don't it's just stop. a mess. It's I was gonna up. ask you about it because obviously I grew up in London, I've never lived in a village, so like I don't really know what it's like, but not that that's like Cottenham, but it did I did wanna ask you, like, did it ring true of some of the, the pettiness of people but also like the, there's all there's like some oddball characters and there's friction between like people who've been there ages and like this family who've just moved from London to live the country dream and it's quite like small minded but also obviously people have problems like everyone and I don't know was yeah it, was, it, was it interesting I in think so I think that's that is what I liked about it I liked how there was this kind of like history there and this almost magic realism element of it. And it was all very, I don't know, there was something quite idyllic about a lot of it, but then it didn't sugarcoat stuff. It was like really Mm. contemporary as well. I thought it captured that really, really well. Like how history is kind of present somewhere. Yeah. And people don't really acknowledge that. on, yeah. on the surface of their day-to-day lives and obviously I guess like the whole premise of the thing is that children are closer they have some kind of unique connection to mm. some magical element of reality that adults lose because obviously Lanny has that I don't know yeah. are we doing spoilers in this we never say anything about spoilers, do we? We just assume people... I was just going to say at the end, obviously. Oh, yeah. yeah let's he see. doesn't... Yeah, I don't know. So, no, as in, just say it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> at the end, he grows up, and we see him grown up, and he is like a normal kid, like a normal yeah. teenager, kind of smoking at the bus stop kind yeah. of thing. And he's lost that, what made him special and weird and... And is Max Porter just saying, like, that's okay, that's just what happens? I don't know. I get. I, I just read it as a kind of, like, ode to childhood kind of yeah. thing, like how childhood is is this magical time where you're... Well, or maybe he's just saying that that's just the case for Lanny, actually, because it's yeah. not like he's saying it for all children. Because actually he... Yeah, because he is weird. Like, even all the other kids think he's weird. Yeah. Um, and he just says things that sound like really wise beyond his years but then he'll say something really childlike i suppose his character just annoys me a little bit it reminded me of like it reminds me of people who say like i'm so weird which is you know like a bit annoying. he's like nine or something i know i've got a real dig against lanny um i the one thing i did like is the i liked the artist character mad pete yeah yeah because he's like, it's just, it is just funny because he, so basically he, in in the context of the village, they all just think he's some weird old guy who just does strange arts like in his garage. 
and is a bit rough around the edges but he's like this really successful artist who's like had exhibitions in London and has like basically made his living off of selling his art and he's really well respected yeah but no one in the village like cares or really knows about that and I, I quite like sort of getting inside his head and his opinions about stuff and his friendship with Lanny is so cute as yeah. well it is really heartwarming yeah. that whole thing and like obviously when he does go missing everyone immediately rounds on mad Pete and thinks he's a pedo yeah it reminded me a bit of all these true crime like documentaries on Netflix I where mean, it's like who did it because as soon as he as Lanny goes missing it everyone starts like accusing him of being a pedo and then everyone rounds on the parents and is like obviously you've done something wrong like what's going on behind closed doors and it's like the author's sort of showing how everyone's like in, almost enjoying it in a kind of really masochistic way. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, I read the first kind of half or third quite slowly and was just like, oh, yeah, I quite like this, but it wasn't, I wasn't reading it with any urgency. And then when he went missing, I was really, yeah. I think I read that whole I part. I was devouring it, I was like, because I just wanted to know what, but then that's yeah. kind of also like, oh that feels weird that we we get really into it then when something sad happens and we just want to know like is he alive or dead and what happened to him yeah yeah what did you think of his parents i mean it's just like a classic depressing marriage isn't it (laughs) like i I can't really remember like when he like, does, does it almost change their marriage? Like, does it improve it in a way? Or is it just the same? Uh, I can't even remember how it impacts their marriage. But I found his dad in particular quite an interesting character. Because when I first started mm. reading it, I was like, oh, he's obviously going to be the douchebag dad who's, like, never there and, you know, hates the fact his son is a bit not masculine yeah. and hanging out with Pete. And he is that. But it's not really as straightforward as that. Yeah, I did feel sorry for his dad because, you know, he's in the situation where he's got a job in London, he's commuting all the time and it, it is in his control. Like, he could be like, this money isn't the most important thing, I'm going to take a lower paid job. Or, you know, he could change his life, but obviously when you're in that, you don't really feel like you have a choice. Mm-hmm. And he does feel guilty about not being around and his wife like assumes the worst of him which is really frustrating because he'll be thinking he won't be thinking what she thinks he's thinking and then she'll snap at him and um I felt sorry for him yeah I did it also captured quite well the different ways people react to tragedy or things bad things happening because obviously she's just what you would kind of expect like a total mess Mm. and he just turns really weirdly sexual and just starts thinking about sex all the time. I've totally forgotten that part. <laughs> Maybe I'm kind of blowing that up a bit in my head, but I just remember I was like, why are you, think, why are you thinking about sex what, it's right now? Horny. You're... <laughs> the grief. Yeah. Like the bit where they... So there's this bit which is really surreal towards the end. Oh, yeah. Where Mad Pete and the mum and the dad all kind of almost have a dream, which is like... They're all in the dream. Yeah, they're all in the same dream. It's mm. like a test, isn't it, almost? That that the the mythical papa, whatever his name is, he almost <laughs> sets it for them, doesn't he? Yeah. And then they, they all... It's all about what they would respond. Yeah, I, I do remember his, his was like a sex dream. 
I don't really know what the point of that was. Like, she ends up, like, the mum ends up having a vision of where he is, basically. And then she kind of runs and they, like, find him, don't they? But it's like the dream completely blurs into reality, so you don't really know where one ends and the other begins. Yeah. It does, just going back to the sex thing, it reminds me of one of the episodes of Kagi's World that I listened to recently. That is the most random Another podcast. <laughs> well, because there was someone on there and they were, they were talking about relationships and this woman was saying that she she's basically like abstaining from sex now for a, a long time because she used to like use it and masturbation as like a way of like coping with her life and, and having control over stuff and it was all kind of tied in with a lot of her like, yeah, emotional issues. So she was almost like using the feeling of like being horny and like orgasm but in this really twisted way and stuff maybe he's like yeah maybe that's a reaction to this the stress and the grief and the yeah almost the way someone would turn to alcohol or yeah. drugs or something because you do get a rush from that kind of thing yeah mm. it's funny as well because his mum is like on the surface of just a really mumsy middle class mum who like you can imagine making cookies on the weekend and stuff and but she's like writing a a crime novel that's all like got loads of like sex in it and like yeah that's um, really gratuitous yeah and like violent and he like comes into the room while she's just writing some weird like sex scene murder and she's like oh hello darling (laughs) and then he reads a bit of it What's the, is that about, like, innocence or something? I feel like I've kind of just grazed the top of just, like, loads of, like, probably deeper themes and meanings, <laughs> yeah. but I haven't really thought into it enough. It's fine. Cliff notes. <laughs> yeah. I think he's trying to write... Because there is this sort of thing with, like, English novels, isn't there, around... Well, what am I saying? I remember at uni doing a module called something like the nation state novel or something and it was basically like the idea that English authors are very like obsessed with like trying to understand England and mm. what it means and like what it, what actually England is and what it means to be English and we read we read like some 19th century like classic novels and then we read like contemporary ones like White Teeth by Zadie Smith and I was trying to like because they're they're all sort of like grappling with the idea of like Englishness and class and the the empire and things I feel like he's almost trying has tried to write one like that like capturing that villa the village really in modern society which you don't really it doesn't feel like you get that many novels set somewhere like that, even though the major like a lot of people live in just villages like this. Yeah, I think that's kind of that's what I liked about it. When you say tried, do you think he failed to do it then? <laughs> I feel like he did do it. I just I thought it was good for what it was, but does it just not connect with no, you? No, it just experience? doesn't do it for me. I think I do like. I do really like writing that plays with form in some senses, but because I don't, it's not like always got to be about the plot for me, but there's just something about it that I just thought it's like you're writing this with the critics in mind, like mm-hmm. you know everyone's going to love it, 
of a and certain, they did. to be fair, yeah. right? Of like, certain... was it long listed for the Booker Prize? I don't know. But that's like, Booker, that really pisses me off as well. I think I liked it in spite of its, the, all the stylistic things it does. Mm. Um, not because of it, but that is classic man Booker Prize. They always, yeah, they always pick something. Well, they don't always, but like that Lincoln and the Bard book. Oh yeah. Did you read that? No, I haven't read it. I opened it and was like, no, I can't, I can't do it. It was so, (laughs) (laughs) it just, it, for me, it's a barrier. Yeah. Like it doesn't make it accessible. And I know that's not. Yeah, things don't have to be accessible, do they? No. But then they do have to add something. So it's like, if they're going to make it less accessible, they have to make it more something else. And I think sometimes they don't... They're not justified. They don't justify themselves. And that definitely had too much of that in it. Yeah. Like, I found it distracting, for example, when it was flitting between different people. There's that bit where he goes missing... And it flits between just different people's kind of minds. Yeah. And you don't really know whose mind it's gone into yet. I, so you I spend a lot of time bit. working out who, who it is. And like, mm. I was just like, I'd actually just prefer to know who it is. <laughs> you just want a he said, she yeah. said, Marjorie at number nine thinks. Basically, yeah, <laughs> I'm just not highbrow enough. I do, I know, I like that bit. To be honest, I could just do with all, I could do without all of the mythical dead papa toothwort crap and just have the story <laughs> it's like it doesn't really make any difference yeah but then who would feed lanny when he's deep in that hole oh yeah that's true it's like he's he alive really doesn't he? toothwort person is obviously likes lanny for some reason because yeah. and that's i think lanny is more is closer to toothwort and but he sees tooth, himself yeah. in Lanny. Because Toothwort wasn't... Originally, he was just a kid, wasn't he? Or something. And then I thought he was like a kid, but then he turned into this somehow. Oh, what, is that like a myth? I think think he almost, he says that at one point. I don't know, because he kind of shapeshifts, doesn't he? Yeah. It's weird how the Toothwort character, he... It's not like he just likes nice things like pretty trees. Like, he loves, like, destruction as well. Because mm. he kind of feeds off, like, decay and... That's kind of nature, though, isn't it? Yeah, It's almost like he's a personification of yeah. nature. He says... I've just opened it on a random bit. So it says, He loved the foot-and-mouth coals and spent those months slipping in and out of burning livestock... Nothing new to Toothwort, veteran witness of the bovine burks, the flues, the wonderful rinderpest, rain rot and sheep scab, the cycles of mange, don't know what that is, mastitis and pox. He's seen things die in thousands of ways. And then it just goes into all the random stuff about contemporary things. One in the bell before quiz. Culling isn't the answer. Speak English, you prick. It's a marriage built on lies. Dad's taxis at your service. I know it's supposed to be like, oh, isn't language just wonderful? Like when you take normal vernacular sayings and then you kind of take them out of context and put them in a book and it kind of makes you look at them a different way. And yeah, okay, fine. But and some of them, some of them were clever. Like they weren't completely. I don't know. There were a few where I was like, "Aha, oh, yeah, I actually enjoyed that one a bit more." But I don't know. 
in general it was just too much yeah if he does another novel I kind of do want to read it though just to see if he does the same kind of thing again (laughs) and how long is he going to manage to just do this forever I know what you mean that's obviously his thing is that his second book yeah quite young I think he lives in Bath actually not in London Mm. I wonder if, well, it can't be based on a real place. Do you think it's just an imaginary place? I think it's supposed to, well, this is what I was thinking about, like, the, the, the Englishness, it's almost, like, everywhere, in a way, isn't uh, it? Like, it reminded me a bit of, um, I, this just came to me now, of that J.K., I can never say his second name. Rowling. Rowling. Rowling, Rowling. <laughs> I always think it rhymes with bowling. <laughs> that would be, that, that would be wrong. Rolling with the homies. Rolling, no. But it's Rowling. Anyway, her. She wrote that crime book. Yeah, I never read that. Did you not? Was it the one that was all about, like, local elections? Yeah, it was about really mundane stuff, like council Mm. stuff. But it was set in this village where there was, like, the kind of middle class bit and then there was this encroaching working class estate that (laughs) Mm. the middle class people didn't like and stuff. Reminded me a bit of that because yeah. it, it was obviously tr- trying to um, represent like differences in class as well, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and there's there's like issues around like immigration as well, isn't there? And just sort of little racist comments. Mm. And, yeah, I mean it's got like quite a uplifting ending, hasn't it? Because when he's older, he goes to visit. Like when Lanny's like an adult or a teenager and he goes, does he go to visit the artist friend and they just sort of start drawing together. They start drawing the trees. Yeah, and it's like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, so maybe he still does have a little bit of weirdness about him. Because I think it's almost saying that you need to be a bit weird to be an artist. Because like Lanny's obviously does art with Mad P and he has that like, imagination that children have and stuff and then in contrast his mum is like oh i'm not an artist but then mad pete's like watching her fiddle about with bits of material on the table like making patterns and so it's it's sort of like how when you're an adult you're just sort of told you're not artistic or that's not your identity and then you don't think that you ever could yeah that's true yeah you're kind of like two in a little box yeah. to like think outside of it kind of thing it's like I'm reaching my limit of stuff that I can say about this yeah do you think I suppose like one thing is that it would be quite easy to write something like this and be very derisive of all the you know the villagers and how they get really excited because their village is on the news and stuff like that and be quite like just condemning of them and moralistic but I feel like he does do it in quite an interesting way where it's he's not necessarily putting a judgment on their behavior he's just sort of trying to show this is the way people are yeah I think that's but is he saying I can't remember if there's more explicit bits around this idea but is he almost saying like people people are so like scared to kind of express their weirder parts of them or or even think the weird thoughts that are buried so deep in them that then their lives are a little bit like 
suffocating so then when something happens like a kid goes missing it's it's almost like a release for them and that they enjoy it because it's something that's breaking into their routine and that actually if as a society we were all just a bit more like Lanny that if someone went missing people wouldn't necessarily react that way. I hadn't even thought about it that way but I think that's like a good way of reading it definitely. Is that like a Jungian thing like the shadow I don't know. The shadows. I don't really know either, but there's that thing of like everyone has their like shadow self that, and yeah, we kind of, because if you think about it, Lanny does talk about like death and stuff like that a lot, doesn't he? And maybe as a kid, you're way more in touch with that part of yourself. And then as you're an adult, you become an adult and you're taught to kind of suppress it. And be afraid of death and try and avoid it. Because he is weird like he keeps making it's like Lanny knows that he something's gonna happen to him like he's gonna disappear because he makes references like that to his mum and she kind of gets freaked out what do you think about the like the creep I mean there is like an element of magic in it in the sense that he stays alive in that hole because he has food dropped into the hole by toothwort but I thought that then it's it actually is that he just had some food in his rucksack. Really? I think that that comes up at the end, doesn't oh. it? Like and he, there's the thing like, about... He's delusional, but that he had like a few bits of food like in his bag. I might have remembered that wrong. That's not what I took oh. away, but I don't know. I might have... No, I'm not making... Like, as in, if it's not in there, I've just made that up <laughs> in my head. Because I, rem- I thought I remembered reading it. Um... But there's that bit as well where his parents talk about him as a kid and how there was that time where he was a baby and he ended up in the treehouse and no one had put oh, him there. Yeah. It is almost like Toothwort has always been there Yeah. with Lanny doing weird stuff to him. <laughs> that sounds a bit weird, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Putting him in treehouses or like saving yeah. his life. Maybe magic is real. It's just, I would never recommend it to someone. I think that's the, the, that's, for me, that's quite a good, um, like, measure. Mm -hmm. Because I I often just enjoy reading for the sake of that I'm reading a novel. Mm. And yeah, in a way, it was quite a page turner. But I would never pick this to someone and say, like, you should read this. Yeah, that's interesting. Because, like, I read it and was like, yeah, I do really like it. But... I don't think I would either. Because of the stuff I found annoying about it, I think I just like over... It's weird, isn't it? Like how sometimes you read a book and the stuff that annoys you about it, you just can't overlook. And Mm. sometimes you can overlook it. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you approach it sometimes being more sympathetic or ready to like it than other times. Yeah. I'm just reading like the last bit of the pages and it's in grown-up Lanny's voice and oh this is where I saw it from it says he goes by another first name now when asked he tells a simple story he fell he slept he was scared he survived because of a rucksack of snacks so whether he's just saying that as an adult because he doesn't even want to like yeah. admit that that it was magic. I or think that's true. exactly it. I think he's rationalising. That's a sign yeah, that he does growing up and stuff. Yeah. And it says he knows people were cheated of the story they expected or wanted. He knows that when he was found alive, he became a walking reprimand. 
it's like people kind of almost wanted him to be dead because that would have been a better story and now it's just like he's alive and a bit of an anticlimax yeah it is weird part of you as a human kind of does relish a bit in like tragic stuff happening yeah and it says like the last speaker of any language he has had to forget in order to survive about dead papal tooth warts but some knowledge of it lives in his marrow it's like saying like to survive in adulthood and in this kind of culture we live in like he has to kind of forget about that because it's just so at odds with and that's yeah and that's exactly what his dad was worried about when Lanny is being all weird and stuff and his dad gets angry with him I guess that comes out of love in a way because he's just scared that Lanny isn't yeah. going to fit in and he's going to get bullied or he's not going to be able to, he's not going to be tough enough to survive in and the world. And then that's sad, isn't it? That's yeah. just a really sad reflection on the world we live in. I mean, it's kind of like when you hear parents saying like well, you, you can't be gay, your life's going to be so hard. Mm. You know, yeah. but it's like they don't actually want their kid to be who they are. But it's like your life is only easy. I mean, your life's never easy, but as in, if you fit into this really narrow, or like walk this really narrow path, and I guess his dad would have been happy at the end, that he ended up just being a kind of like, normal lad. Yeah, maybe. I mean, some of these reviews, was it really heart-stopping and heart-shaking? Did your heart not stop? Maybe for like... I had to go to A&E while reading it. (laughs) It takes a special kind of genius to create something which is both so strange and yet so compulsive. That Mm. was one of the reviews. I feel like it is strange and it is compulsive. But he's not a genius. (laughs) (laughs) Genius is the most overused (laughs) word. (laughs) What are other ones? Oh yeah, because we normally do this anyway, don't we? It's covered in them, literally. Um, Yeah, I don't like this. This is why I don't like it. A thing of total joy. Well, that doesn't really mean anything, but then this bit. Thrums with rhythm and life from the observer. Like, I don't... Yeah, that's the whole bits that we're complaining about. Yeah, the editor literally put it together to get that (laughs) exact review. A joyously stirred cauldron of words from The Guardian. What, is that every review on the front cover from The Guardian? (laughs) I think you'd agree more with this two-star review I read on Goodreads. (laughs) (laughs) Update. So as this mess was inexplicably (laughs) left off the book a shortlist... Oh, well, this must be someone who's, um, it won't surprise, I think he's reading all the Booker-nominated ones. It won't surprise people who know how much I detested Porter's first dull book. <laughs> but this also wasn't my cuppa. The incomprehensible verbiage. Is that's, that that's, yeah, I think that's And playful mean. graphics for the beginning Papa dead twee wart, uh, tooth wart sections. Surely a desperate sign of lack of imagination. Yeah, it's stupid, but putting it in fanciful font may make people believe something extraordinary is going on here <laughs> almost caused me to bail immediately but I persevered it just goes on like that like, the entire time I love reviews like that <laughs> what's the name of the reviewer? Um, Doug <laughs> <laughs> yes Doug. he looks amazing as well look he does not 
Wait, I recognise that photo. No. I do. No. That's that's not him. That's like a fame that's an actor. Really? Also, his average is 3.66. I think that will be every single Goodreads review. Click on more photos. I'm sure he's an actor. Oops. As in someone's just used a picture of an actor. I don't think that's... This is really boring for our listeners. Let's describe the way he looks. He looks like a kind of silver fox. Like a (laughs) sexy Santa. Yeah. Oh my God, look about him. Degrees from Berkeley, University of Hawaii... University of Colorado Boulder, taught theatre at USF and St. John's in New York, former director of media access in California. He's retired. He's vaccinated and he chooses to hashtag wear a mask and he loves cats. God, the internet's weird. (laughs) (laughs) I won't let you look at his photos. I'm going to add him as a friend. I've added him. Pending. 2021... Get this, 2021 reading challenge. What is it? Doug has read 88 of 200 books already. He's read 88 books this year. This year. He's retired, Jets. What else is he going to do? It's true, that'll be us. We'll be doing a podcast a day. That would be so great. (laughs) (laughs) No, genuinely. Why did you laugh? I know. Okay, well, I don't recognise any of the things that he's read. So he mustn't um, get distracted and forget to do a sign-off. Oh, yeah. He's, he's read a book called The Book on Pie. Everything you need to know to bake perfect pies. And he gave that five stars. So there you go. He he's such pie. a like deep and interesting person. Like The more yeah. I learn about him, the more layers we uncover. Because who would have thought that he would really like pie? Yeah. <sighs> Were there any other... <laughs> I feel like there was like another feature that we would do. Oh no, we would just read the blurb. Yeah. Well, we'd talk about the cover as well. Oh, yeah. Obviously, we only have one copy, so we can't compare. And I think there's only been one edition, mm. so. Well, it's just covered in reviews because obviously it we need is. convincing to read it. No, but don't you think that's trying to mirror the kind of like oh, weird yeah, squiggly is, writing? It? There's like a big leaf on the front and it says Lanny on it. The blurb. Not far from London, there is a village. Oh, so it is not far from London, we know that much. This village belongs to the people who live in it and to those who lived in it hundreds of years ago. It belongs to England's mysterious past and its confounding present. It belongs to families dead for generations and to those who have only recently moved here, such as the boy Lanny and his mum and dad. But it also belongs to dead Papa Toothwort, who has woken from his slumber in the woods. Dead Papa Toothwort, who is listening to them all. There's more reviews in the front of it. Bloody hell. I feel a bit... Oh my God, Sarah Jessica Parker's reviewed it. That is so random. Yeah. She put a Max Porter novel. (laughs) 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 Did you see that? (laughs) Only because you reacted. (laughs) Is that all she said? A Max Porter novel. A Max Porter novel. No. (laughs) No, there's more. She said, a Max Porter novel, so you are assured it's like no other. Slim in page count, but abundant in magical storytelling. Oh, God. Since when has she been... Since when has she been a kind of expert person, isn't she? 
She's just a baby. <laughs> um, so, normally my cousin Barnaby, well, he normally gets me a book every Christmas, and normally they're like, they've all been really brilliant, and I like read them, you know, on Christmas Day or whatever. Like, they're all great. So, sorry, Barn, you might have lost your. Lost his touch. Yeah. <laughs> Has he read that though? I don't know. Are you going to give it a rating? Yep. Oh, I'm going to give it. Mm, I'll give it three. I'll give it three. Warty tooths. <laughs> Rotty tooths. Warty. <laughs> I don't think tooths is a word. <laughs> I'm really tired. I'll give it, I'll give it, yeah, I'll give it three um, foot and mouth coals out of ten. That's really low. I was going to give it two. <laughs> what? This is so surprising to me. I thought you'd like it. I normally like everything, don't I? Yeah, this is Such definitely the lowest score either of us has ever yeah. given anything. Yeah. Until I, I never go below eight. <laughs> no, I'm going to give it. I was thinking a 6.5 or a 7. Seven's probably too high. Yeah, definitely too high. <laughs> it is based on my opinion. But yeah, I'll go yeah. I'll go 6.5. Okay. Because I did think it was good. So you need to do your... Yes. So next episode, we're going to be talking about Cold Comfort Farm by Stella Gibbons. And my... Grandad gave this to me as part of a series of war books that I read. I read Catch-22 and I read oh, Slaughterhouse 5, five um, both of which I loved and were really funny. And this is apparently the funniest out of all of them. And it says on the back, brilliant, very probably the funniest book ever written. Oh. So we don't normally read funny books. No. We normally read depressing books. I don't so like, that's a good... I don't like funny <laughs> no, but I'm willing to. I'm willing to be entertained. I'm looking forward to it. You don't like people making you laugh. Not when they're like. Not when that's the. Not when the they're trying for to the book. Oh God. No, it'll be. It'll be really good. Is she, is that an English author? Um, do you know what? No idea. Gibbons. That's the maiden name of my auntie. Yeah, she was born in London. Okay. Don't let that put you off. Londoners. God. We need to do a sign off. It's still recording. Oh, okay. What do we say bye? Just say like. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. And we're definitely going to record a lot more podcasts now that we can do it in person, aren't we, Jess? Yeah. So, I know you're all really excited about that. Um, and see you. No, not see you. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, start again. <laughs> no, it's fine, just push through. Just say, push. just say, okay, bye. I think, I think it's fine to say see you next time. Is it? Yeah. Okay. You're not literally, because we're not going to see all of our, actually we probably would if we just went and saw your mum, we'd see all of our listeners. Well, we're going to send it to Matt's Porter, aren't we? Uh, no. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> You'll be like, this is the first bad review I've had. I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, post a link to it on the Goodreads and tag Doug. So yeah, like, what definitely. Do you think, Doug? Send it to Doug. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.